Missionary Baptist Church welcomes you to a time of harvest. It is our hope and prayer that the Spirit of the Lord reaches you through today's message and strengthens your walk with Christ so that you may pass along the word and strengthen others' walk with Christ. And now we present to you a time of harvest. My hands are lifted up. My hands are lifted up. My heart, my heart is ready to receive a blessing from you. Oh Lord, I want to hear your word. A blessing from you. My hands are lifted up. My hands are lifted up. And my heart is ready. My heart is ready to receive a blessing from you. A blessing from you. Oh Lord, let us hear your word. A blessing from you. I want you to break me, make me, and shape me. Break me, make me, shape me, and more. Lord, a blessing from you. Oh, my hands are lifted. My hands are lifted up. And my heart is ready. My heart is ready to receive your holy word. A blessing from you. Oh, Lord, just to hear a word from you. A blessing from you. I want you to break me and make me. To hear your holy word. A blessing from you. Oh, the old hymn says, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Oh, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble. Oh, 
second verse says, let me at the throne of mercy. Oh, let me at the throne of mercy. Find a sweet relief. Good morning. Welcome to a time of harvest with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to spend part of your Sunday with us. As you prepare now to receive the Word of God, we're looking at a passage of Scripture found in the book of Hebrews, where the writer cites an example of Esau failing to value his birthright. And in the process, he made a short-term decision that had long-term consequences. We're going to be talking about don't sell your birthright. We pray that this message will be a help to you and to your family. And we invite you at your earliest convenience to come and share with us in a worship experience or a Bible study here at Shiloh. We're here every Sunday at 8 and 11 for worship. Church school is at 945. We're here on Wednesdays at noon and 630 for the study of God's word. If you're enjoying this broadcast, you can also tune in this evening, also on CW21 at 6 o'clock p.m. for a closer look, our one-hour Bible study highlight broadcast. You'll be blessed by sharing in that as well. Until we have the opportunity to see you in a live worship experience, thank you for being a part of a time of harvest. I want to talk to you for a few minutes from the subject, selling your birthright. Selling your birthright. These times become more treacherous by the day. The rise of the Trump administration and the sycophantic hate groups that idolize and support it, the conservative bent of federal courts, which has animated corporations to the place that they have the right of free speech, but has remained mute while poor and brown children languish in squalor at the southern border. While legislative districts throughout this country are being gerrymandered in an effort to make the vote of black and brown individuals irrelevant. The absolute evil that exists within police unions 
that essentially renders law enforcement in this nation uncontrollable by law, policy, or procedure. These things and more make it clear that we are living in treacherous times. Every generation has its share of challenges. But the challenges we are currently facing are like few we have ever faced. African-American unemployment has been twice that of white unemployment in this nation for the last 50 years. The incarceration rate of African-Americans to whites has grown from five times as many to six times as many in the last 50 years. Poverty among African-Americans is still nearly twice that of Caucasian Americans, 50 years after President Lyndon Johnson declared a war on poverty. African-Americans are victims of homicide at 12 times the rate of other races in this nation. Things are happening to us and around us that will shape the destiny of future generations. It's happening in the political arena. It's happening in education. It's happening in the economy. And it's happening in Christianity. It may not be so easy for everyone to make the connection, but there is a connection to be made. The common denominator is greed and selfishness. The economic travails that continue to plague this nation and nations around the globe, where most of the world's wealth is in the hands of a very tiny minority of people, are all the result of greed and selfishness. The continuing struggle in our East Baton Rouge Parish school system, which has spawned countless private schools and charter schools that seek to siphon off public school dollars to balance their books, a struggle that has spawned three independent school districts and is about to spawn a fourth. It's all about greed and selfishness. And greed and selfishness have even invaded the church. Prosperity religion, which feeds off of the frustration of traditional Christians who are disappointed with the course of their lives in the traditional church, promotes a theology that has more to do with wishful thinking and fairy tales than it does with the Bible. And yet it finds fertile soil because those who hear the message want to believe that life can actually be carefree and painless. They want to believe that life can be lived without sickness and without worry. It's a popular message. It is a seductive message, but it's also a false message because it feeds on our collective greed 
and selfishness. In these times, it's a dangerous message because it has left us spiritually ill-equipped to deal with the mounting socioeconomic struggles that confront us. It is what the text calls the Esau syndrome. It's what we must be on guard against in these treacherous times. It is our inability to appreciate what we have and build on it because we want something that will give us immediate gratification. And what we don't realize, as Esau didn't realize in our text, is that the cost of that immediate gratification is far greater than the value of what you're chasing. And even if you get it, you ain't got nothing once you have it. God's plan for us is to meet our needs so that we can use our God-given gifts to bless others. That's called generosity. The promise of scripture is not that we will be rich, but that all of our needs will be met. The promise of scripture is not that we will live forever, but that we will make good use of our time if we work the work of him who sent us while it is still day. The promise of scripture is that if we seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness, then all of our needs will be taken care of. And our inability to enjoy this life that God desires for us is not because there's something wrong with the church, but it's because there's something wrong with us. This Esau syndrome that, that the writer describes results in a wasted life. A life that could have but did not. A life that was capable of but never did. A life that almost was but didn't quite make it. And this is the tragedy of our time. It is the downfall of our age. It is the peril of our future. This was not God's plan for us. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in the fullest way possible. But what we must understand is that this full life does not consist of just the material, but it consists of a deeply held relationship with God that draws us closer to him every day and allows him to unfold his plan for our lives. We must be what God would have us be. We must do what God would have us do. Our text comes from Hebrews, which was written to embolden Christians who are abandoning Christ. These Christians of Jewish background were put off by the difficulties and persecutions that had come against them as a result of their following Jesus, and they were ready to give up. 
and the writer is trying to prevent them from making that mistake. And in doing so, he cites the unwise choice in the life of a man named Esau, whose story is told in Genesis chapters 25 through 27. Esau was the oldest of twin boys born to Isaac and Rebekah, along with his brother Jacob. As the firstborn, Esau enjoyed great privileges. A double portion of his father's estate was his birthright. But Esau didn't take care of his blessing. Church, we've all been blessed by God. But if we're going to survive in treacherous times, you've got to take care of your blessing. We've got all kinds of talent and ability. We have great minds. We have abundant resources. But whatever God has given us, we've got to take care of our blessing. Esau didn't do that. He was guilty of rash and foolish behavior. One day he was hungry and all Esau could think about was satisfying his hunger. And his brother Jacob took advantage of Esau's weakness. Jacob had cooked some stew and Esau asked for a bowl. And Jacob said, I ain't going to give you any, but I will trade a bowl of stew for your birthright. And on the spot, without thinking about what he was giving up, Esau sold his birthright for a plate of food sold his birthright for a momentary satisfaction, sold his birthright for a few minutes pleasure. And the writer of Hebrews says that when Esau realized what he had done, he was brokenhearted, he was disillusioned, he was bitter, his eyes filled up with tears, and he looked for a way to back out of what he had done. But the writer says tears couldn't change what he had done. Church, there's a message here for us today. In these treacherous times, we have to be careful that we don't sell our birthright. We must not sell the birthright of our heritage. As the oldest of uh, of two sons, Esau stood to inherit two-thirds of his father's estate. That was his birthright. But he sold it for a plate of food. And we have to be careful that we don't give away our birthright, the birthright of our heritage as easily as Esau gave up his birthright. Do you know that you have a great heritage of surviving in the face of adversity? We have a history of persevering in the face of great obstacles. We persevered through slavery and being declared just three-fifths 
of a human being. We persevere through false promises of reparations and second-class citizenship. We persevere through segregation and Jim Crow laws and poll taxes, and we did it by staying together and working together and struggling together and calling on the name of the Lord together. But today, we're in danger of selling our birthright. We're more content to seek something that isn't rather than learning how to overcome what is. Today, we prefer sweet lies than having to deal with tough truths. Today's Christian is fulfilling Paul's prophecy when he said the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but with itching ears will call near to them false prophets who will tell them what they don't want to hear. Shiloh, don't let Jacob entice you to give up your heritage for a plate of food. And if you don't know who Jacob is, Jacob is any church that does not challenge you to live up to the Christ model of service, the Christ model of love, the Christ model of compassion, the Christ model of tolerance, the Christ model of accountability, the Christ model of integrity, the Christ model of endurance, the Christ model of commitment. There are a whole lot of Jacobs in worship this morning. Some of them in $24 million buildings. But there ain't nobody but Jacob. You got to be careful. Don't sell the birthright of your heritage. And then the second point goes right along with the first. Don't sell the birthright of your faith. See, we have come a long way. But know this, you didn't come by yourself. You've come leaning on the Lord. You can't make it in this world unless you are anchored in faith. In times like these, when disappointments are mounting, this is not the time to give up on our faith, but this is the time to put our faith to work. Faith will keep you when nothing else is going for you. Faith will keep you when you can't pay your bills. Faith will keep you when folk are mistreating you. Faith will stop you from giving up. Faith will stop you from destroying yourself. Faith will remind you where your hope comes from. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All that other stuff is sinking sand. Don't you sell the birthright 
of your faith. Well, finally, don't sell the birthright of your salvation. Despite what anybody else may try to tell you, the church can't promise what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say that everybody will love you. Jesus didn't say that every day will be sunshine. Jesus didn't say you'll never get sick. Jesus didn't say that God is duty-bound to give you whatever you ask for. In fact, Jesus said that you're going to have trouble sometime. Jesus said you're going to have to deal with trial and tribulation. Jesus said you're going to have to deal with wickedness in high places. Jesus said you're going to have to deal with war and rumor of war. Jesus said you're going to have to deal with poverty and pettiness and pestilence. But I'm glad that's not all he said. He also said, that he is our salvation. Come to me. All that are weak and heavily burdened and I will give you rest. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never be hungry. Whoever drinks of me will never thirst. I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Don't listen to folk who tell you stuff that Jesus didn't say. But listen to what Jesus said. He said that if you trust me and if you hold on, I will make everything all right. He said if you can just hold on a little while longer, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Shiloh, hold on through your night. Hold on through your pain. Hold on through your heartache. Hold on through the treachery that's all around you. In the morning, joy is coming. In the morning, peace is coming. In the morning, a door is going to be open for you that men close against you. In the morning, God's going to make a way. Out of no way. But you'll miss it all if you sell your birthright. You'll miss it all if you give up on your heritage and if you give up on your faith and if you give up on your salvation. Let me tell you this. There ain't but one who can help you. Everybody's mad about what the president's saying. He couldn't help in the first place. He couldn't help in the first place. There's only one 
who can help me. We get all upset about this law and that policy and that procedure, and we ought to stand up and fight for what is right and for what is good and for what is fair. But at the end of the day, my hope ain't in none of that in the first place. There's only one who can make rough places plain. There's only one who can make crooked places straight. There's only